0: It's great to be with you again. I've been looking forward, Wendy and I have been looking forward so much uh, to an extended time with you uh, where we can uh, hopefully bump into you time after time and uh, share fellowship in the presence of God. I've come hoping I'm going to learn more from Jesus. I find that when we have a, a situation where we can just be there and be together, open word, in the worship, in prayer, fellowshipping, it's a time to learn. And I know I've learned many things on the road uh, with the saints. So I'm looking forward to a time of being enlarged in God uh, while I'm with you. And we've so enjoyed the warmth of your welcome in our previous visits. so especially been looking forward to being with you again. Uh, the warmth of the welcome is pretty remarkable at the moment, <laughs> especially coming from England, uh, but it's, uh, it's great and we'll, uh, we'll cope with the weather. It's funny, this announcement about a car reminds me of a meeting, uh, seeing Carl here uh, Carl Tuttle here. I remember one of the big Wimber meetings in Brighton, my hometown, where we hosted John Wimber. Uh, oh, I don't know, four or five times uh, these huge conferences, and uh, I was sitting. We were hosting it, so I was kind of sitting in a fairly prominent front position. I'm not on the platform, where I think it's John's conference, and uh, and there's this announcement, and it says, uh, "Will the owner of car number so and so please remove it? Uh, it's blocking the way." And uh, Wendy said, "That's ours." I said, "Yes, I know." So uh, we sat there quietly, and you know, and then, uh, on, it, on it went. And uh, after a few minutes, I just got up, looking very important, with a piece of paper, and walked out. And, uh, it's now public, okay? So it was my car. And uh, but at the time, I thought, "No, I'm not going on the back of this because hundreds of our people are there; they'll all go." Ah, ah, ah. So I made it look different. Anyway. <laughs> It's good to be here. And uh, I do pray that we not only uh, have instruction, I hope that's helpful, but really meet with God here, uh, because we, we're not talking principles and theories, we, we really want to meet with Him, uh, our Lord Jesus in power. And I pray that will be our experience from the outset. So I want to speak to you this evening from 2 Timothy, and uh, just the first few verses of chapter 1. Second Timothy, I wonder if this could be just lifted a little higher. Is there a technique to that? That's brilliant. Thank you so much. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of life in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my beloved son. Grace Mercy and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve with a clear conscience, the way my forefathers did, as I constantly remember you in my prayers, night and day, longing to see you, even as I recall your tears, so that I may be filled with joy. For I'm mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois, and your mother Eunice, and I'm sure, is in you as well. For this reason, I'll remind you, and I'm going to slip into the NIV here, to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. Holy Spirit, we thank you. You're here for us. You're here to empower us. You're here to help us. And we we invite you right now. Please come and be our teacher. We thank you for your promise, Father. If we who are evil know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? So we're asking right now for the Holy Spirit to be our teacher to lead us into truth, to build us up in our holy faith, to make us, Lord, stronger to serve you. Lord, come and do your work amongst us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So here's Paul writing to Timothy, his beloved son, who he had called to represent him as, if you like, an apostolic delegate. There had come a time when Timothy had to represent Paul. Paul could no longer be available on the many, many calls that were coming to him. So his ministry was multiplied through uh, younger men like Timothy, Titus, other guys, Antronicus, Epaphras, etc. A team of men that he had raised up. He saw Timothy one day in a church. Something about the young man impressed him. He spoke to the elders. He invited him to accompany him. And so for a while he traveled with Paul. He served, as we'll come later back to see, uh, as a son working with a father until Paul felt confident to send him as his representative. But I want to suggest to you that Timothy faced really a massive challenge. Imagine representing the Apostle Paul. Uh, Wendy and I went to see a wonderful show in London not long ago. We've moved up into London. It's easy for us to go up into town and see the show. We went to an afternoon matinee, and I said to Wendy, I doubt that the real stars will be there. They'll probably be understudies uh, because, well, you know, they've got the afternoon and the evening. So, okay, we'll see the play, but we'll probably see understudies. And I was so thrilled that we didn't. Uh, we saw the real quality, famous actor, actress take the lead roles, and you just thought, hey, privilege. This is the real guys, uh, not an understudy. Timothy's an understudy. He's the guy who turns up uh, when Paul doesn't. And, uh, you know, Paul's a hard act to follow. Uh, Paul is uh, the, the great character of the New Testament, I would argue. And to, to represent him is a pretty scary call. And Timothy has that challenge, to represent him in demanding circumstances. And if you glance through and read through uh, 1 and 2 Timothy, you'll see the kind of challenges that he faces, that he has some tough work to do. Paul uh, gives him this instruction. He has to uh, confront error. It's not just, you know, prepare a few sermons. Uh, There's some error creeping into the church. So Paul says, I want you to confront error. I want you to deal with issues. I want you to -to face-to-face with some people, uh, deal with the way they're distorting the gospel, getting people off course. Uh, You've got to challenge those things. Uh, You'll find some of the things that are listed uh, that confront wrong attitudes to the law. Uh, That was a big issue in uh, those days. has remained a big issue right through the church age. People giving more respect to uh, a legal way of approaching God, trying to uh, build up a righteousness based on law, and missing the whole point of the gospel of grace. And poor uh, Peter, uh, Timothy had to challenge that, hit that head on. And... uh, deal with that issue. And he says, uh, the law is good, providing it's used lawfully, knowing it's for the right- uh, not for the righteous, but for sinners. And sometimes that can be controversial. I remember once I was, I was preaching in Spain. It was a very hot day, and we're preaching there. And as I'm preaching the grace of God and the freedom that God has provided in grace, as I'm preaching, a gentleman stood up. And that's the only time it's ever happened to me. But a guy stood up, and he said, as I'm preaching, he said, this is the most outrageous thing I've ever heard. And I said, wow, I thought, this is thrilling, this is exciting. And I said, I, I said, sir, I believe the scandal of the gospel of grace is offending you, but if you'll listen to me right to the end, I think you'll see where I'm going. But if people find it controversial to handle issues of law and grace. And Tim- Timothy had to handle that. He had to handle other issues. He had to handle issues of uh, male-female roles. Again, controversial, difficult issues. He was given instructions very specifically about how, to, how widows should be dealt with and, and who was a real wish, a widow and who were not re- real widows. Imagine going down the line saying, "Oh, well, God bless you, God bless you, and I don't think you're a real widow. Huh? Uh, you know. <laughs> He had to make some hard calls. Uh, very difficult issues. He had to confront the rich. He says, uh, "Command the rich." Well, you know, rich people are not used to being commanded. <laughs> it's not like they you know they're not commanded every day. And so, young Timothy, command them uh, not to be conceited or put their trust in riches, but to be generous, etc. You know, he had some big, big challenges uh, to do, and uh, I can imagine. Timothy reading these letters, and oh my, I've got to represent this guy doing all these things. This is a a challenging, demanding role. And then on top of that, he says, and do the work of an evangelist. Oh, come on. Uh, That as well. And uh, he could almost feel, I don't know if I volunteered for this. You know, Timothy, as Paul said, come on, Timothy. And sometimes we feel, you know, how did I get myself into this ministry? How did I get here? And, and sometimes, if you're a pastor here tonight, and, uh, or in any kind of leadership, to be honest, you can sometimes feel, I don't know if I've got what it takes. And very often, that's one of the big challenges of the Christian life, that it's like it's demanding more of me than I can give. Because how can I fill the shoes of this guy who went before me? Or how can I fulfill this role? How can I do this task? And so, here we find a man who's facing... A very, very big challenge. The challenge that he faced. That's the first thing I want us to consider. Timothy's got a hard task ahead of him. It's a challenging ministry. We could glance right through these epistles and see the many, many things he's called upon to do. And it's very demanding. Right? It's very demanding. Then secondly, the weakness in himself. The limitations that he felt in himself. And I just want to list a few that come out through the text, the first one, he was young. Let no one despise your youth, Timothy. And that maybe I can encourage some guys here tonight. Uh, this is Paul's second epistle to Timothy. Um, in fact, it's his last letter. He's talking about, I've finished my course, I've run my race. This is the last letter uh, that Paul wrote. And Timothy has probably been with Paul for some years by now. And the most of the commentators would say that probably by now, Timothy would have been about 40 years of age. So can I bless some of you guys here tonight. Some of you 40-year-olds, don't let anyone despise your youth. (laughs) Don't let anyone put you down because you're just a kid, all right? So (laughs) that's the Scripture's perspective. Don't let anybody despise your youth. And uh, sometimes it's not just age, but just that sense of, feeling I'm not as equipped. I'm not as knowledgeable. I'm not as resourceful. I am not. I don't have all that I would love to have. I feel uh, I'm looking up to these people. And often that can be a sense that we carry with ourselves, a sense of inadequacy because of our lack of experience, our lack of answers. We don't have the answers to questions that are being raised. And so there can be an uncomfortable feeling of uh, vulnerability in ministry. So, yeah, he's young. He's inexperienced. That's the first thing. The second thing that comes out is actually he's temperamentally timid. That comes through this because uh, Paul is saying, look, God hasn't given us a spirit of timidity. Timothy, I'm, I want to encourage you. That's not the way I want you to be. Temperamentally, he was timid. They says, don't be ashamed of the Lord and me and his prisoner you see sometimes we tend to think leaders are people who are just would be leaders anywhere they, they would be leader in business or in education or whatever and they just you know so they're a leader in the church they can do this kind of stuff they've got a kind of temperament to lead and we often think that's what leaders are like We look for the alpha male I look for the guy who's the, no that's not the way the bible is again and again you'll find uh Men like Gideon saying, no, 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 no. And God says, you're a warrior. He says, no, 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 I'm not. He says to Jeremiah, calling you. He says, no, no, I'm too young. He says to, to Moses, I'm calling. No, no, I can't speak. And again and again, you find God chooses the weak things and the foolish things and the things that are not. You don't get much lower than not. <laughs> and the, and the despised God has chosen. And, and so God will choose and amaze us in whom he chooses and amazingly, and this is what we're going to come and see, he's going to make up for that. He chooses the weak. He chooses the foolish. And that passage in, Col- in Corinthians is quite amazing, really, that that's his style. Not many mighty. Not many noble. Not many wise. If you've got a degree, you're lucky you got in here at all. <laughs> not many wise. Some not many. God chooses those who often look very disqualified. And here in Timothy, he's choosing such a one who is timid. He's not an obvious extrovert. We tend to think of people who will lead the church as being, well, they've got the gift of the gab, they're extroverts, it comes naturally to them. It doesn't to Timothy. It's not the way he is. In fact, it's interesting how Paul writes to the Corinthians. Have you noticed this? In 1 Corinthians 16:10, he says this, when Timothy comes, don't frighten him. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> you know, I think I, I'm going to send one of our guys. I'm sending David Devonish. I'm sending PJ Smythe. I'm sending this guy. I'm sending this guy. And when he comes, don't scare him. You know. <laughs> That's what he said. I'm sending Timothy, but don't frighten him. Because he's a scared guy. You know, think, what is he doing with this fella? He's timid. He's kind of, he's the man who, well, he's just not impressive. But he says this about him. I'm, I have no one like him. Gives this beautiful testimony to him in Philippians 2. He says, I have no one like him. He, he's genuinely concerned for you. He's genuinely concerned for you. He's not seeking his own interests. There's something about Timothy that has really impressed Paul. I remember as a young guy, I was invited to, to preach in the church of a man called David Pawson in England, who at that time was probably one of the most famous preachers in England and uh, a very, very fine Bible expositor, a Baptist church uh, in the south of England. And his tapes went all over the world. And I mean, he's just the man. I remember when I was at Bible college, he visited. I mean, we all just sat. And I got an invitation to speak at his church, so I'm terrified. I mean I'm going to preach yes but I'm terrified and I'm driving up the road and I'm thinking oh God get me through this get me through this I'm going to David Paulson's. I'm going to preach at David Paulson's church and I'm driving up the road and I, as I'm driving up the road I thought oh God help 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 and uh, I felt God said to me pull over so I pulled over and I said oh God help and he said what about the people and I said what about the people And I just kind of, I was like, I didn't care about the people. I just want to survive this thing. I just want to preach and get through this, please, God, and not die in David Pawson's pulpit. You know, get me through this. And I I felt God said, what about the people? And really, I didn't care about the people. I wanted to get through this. And I certainly learned something that day. I felt God said, stay here and pray for the people. So I stayed in my car and I started praying for the people. And it really helped me. It really undid something in my soul. I'll try to remember that. Whenever I get into a situation, because we don't make it through one lesson. I don't. I learned a lot that day, but I have to keep coming back to it. That there are times when you suddenly feel a tension growing and you think, But Timothy, I've no one like him. He genuinely cares for you. I genuinely cared about me getting through this and surviving. Now, God wants us to have a different spirit. And and in spite of his kind of timidity, his youthfulness, there was something in Timothy's heart that genuinely cared for the people. He genuinely cares for you. He's not seeking his own interests. It's a wonderful thing. He says he's proven worth. He's served me like a child serving with his father. He's done his apprenticeship. He's worked alongside me. He's watched me. He's been open to my critique. I've brought him along. So, yeah, he's timid, but Paul knows beautiful things about his character. So, these things seem to disqualify him. He's too young, he's too scared. And then, thirdly, he's weak in as much as he's often sick. Paul says, Take a little wine for your frequent ailments. This guy's often ill. Now, <laughs> he obviously hadn't heard the great doctrine of divine health. Um, <laughs> he's often ill. Maybe he was often healed as well. Hallelujah. But. <laughs> But he was often ill. He was—if if there's a germ around, he's going to pick it up. And uh, you know, you can get your image of yourself that you're oh, I'm just vulnerable. I just—I just. Oh, here comes some—you know, influenza going around. I'm bound to get it. And oh, you missed the meeting again. Oh, he's sick again. Uh, you know, you get—you know, get pigeonholed. He's kind of the guy who often gets sick. Your frequent ailments. He's often ill. This guy really doesn't look as though he's made for the job. Here's the call, understudy to the Apostle Paul. Here's the guy. He's too weak, he's scared, and he's often sick. Great stuff. Wonderful. This is amazing provision. I don't want to go and see the understudy. I want to see the real guy. And, and, And Timothy's got that to live with. And so Paul's writing this wonderful letter to him, knowing the limitations he feels, and he's got an answer for him. And the answer he has, we read in the passage, fan into flame the gift of God that's in you through the laying on of my hands. I want to come really to the meat of what I'm talking about this evening. There is an answer for frail believers and it's the coming upon of the Holy Spirit and the ongoing communion with the Holy Spirit in our lives. Timothy wasn't alone in being apparently a hopeless follower. We know that when Jesus finished his three years of ministry, it says of the Twelve, not only was Simon Peter's famous failure, but they all forsook him and fled. They all looked hopeless. I mean, that is so plain from the New Testament. They, they didn't keep up. They didn't understand. They argued. They were all over the place. And what was it that completely transformed them? And there's no question about it. People have said, how could it be that these men, who are again and again displayed in the gospel stories, could have the testimony in a few years' time These men are turning the world upside down. They're they're seeing phenomenal things happen. They're seeing thousands converted. They're seeing churches being formed. They're seeing society being impacted. You see Paul coming to uh, Ephesus. I always think it's breathtaking that the Apostle Paul, when he travels, he comes to Ephesus. This is a mighty city. It's a city with its own entrenched religion. Great is Diana of the Ephesians. This is a a wealthy city, university city. It's a hub of the empire. It's got its own entrenched religion. And Paul turns up. You think, boy, how could you just go and start? And then he sees 12 guys, uh, and their so-called disciples. And he finds, actually, they they only know about John's baptism, not even Christian yet. But his first question is this, did you receive the Holy Spirit? We would tend to say, are you saved? He said, did you receive the Spirit? Has the Holy Spirit turned up in Ephesus yet? Is the power of God in Ephesus yet? That's the thing he wants to know. Is the power of God in this great city yet? And they said, no, nothing don't think about the Holy Spirit. As it happens, they didn't even know about the gospel yet. And he led them to Jesus, then baptized them, And then having baptized them, he laid hands upon them, like he did Timothy. He laid hands upon them, and the Spirit came on them. And they started speaking in tongues and prophesying. And Acts 19 must be one of the most exciting chapters in the whole of the book of Acts. By the end of Acts chapter 19, you've got a riot. Not from different churches saying, I've already got a church here, how dare you open another one? But from the commercial undergirding of that city saying we can't any longer sell statues of Diana of the Ephesians. He is undermining our industry. (laughs) That's quite a church. That's quite a church. And he was there at the school of Miletus, he's preaching day after day. Young men are going out from him. He's there two years preaching day after day. The church in Colossae, the church in Laodicea, Hierapolis, churches are going All Asia heard the word of God. It's an amazing chapter. All Asia. In the end, there's riots. Why? The Holy Spirit came to town. The Spirit of God. So it was on the day of Pentecost. These 12 guys, 120 in the upper room, suddenly from heaven like a tornado a mighty wind a scary noise i've seen some of the movies of the tornadoes in this country think wow a mighty rushing wind and suddenly fire from heaven and they were all filled with the holy spirit all filled it changed everything beloved it changed everything and these feeble followers of jesus became dynamic followers of Jesus. And even quickly confronted by the Sanhedrin and being told you must stop preaching. You know what we, said to we did to your Jesus. Well, we'll do it to you. And they just got empowered. And you couldn't stop them. It's the coming of the Holy Spirit. The coming of the Holy Spirit. And so the Spirit-filled church is absolutely fundamental. It's not one kind of church life. It's what God wants the Spirit being poured out upon us, changing people who are temperamentally timid, like Peter, Simon Peter, even to a girl says, aren't you with him? No, I don't know him. But surely you've got... No, no, I don't know him. And then, no, no, I'm not with him. And then he's empowered and totally transformed by the Spirit coming upon him. So we're talking about the Holy Spirit. But we're talking here about a young man who had already, some years before presumably, had hands laid on him by the Apostle Paul. You see, sometimes you can read stories and you think, this guy, hey, this guy, Smith Wigglesworth laid hands on him. Wow. I mean, you must be pretty special. You know? Or the man, the man laid hands on me. Wow, you could live that in the, the strength of that for the rest of your life. Smith Wigglesworth laid hands on you. Well, I should think the Apostle Paul's a pretty big guy, eh? Even if Paul lays hands on you, you've got to stir up the gift that's in you. See, we can look back to an occasion which may have been remarkable, may have been not so remarkable. But a time when the Spirit came upon us. But Paul is here talking about an ongoing walk that he should stir up the gift fan into flame the gift of God that's in him God doesn't want us to be able to say yeah well I, I believe in the coming upon of the spirit I would argue for that you know yeah I was converted then later the the spirit fell upon me as we read often in the book of Acts in Samaria saved by Uh, philip's preaching later the apostles came the spirit had not yet fallen upon them then the spirit fell upon them this coming upon of the spirit timothy paul says no my hands i laid hands on you your spirit came upon you now timothy fan into flame that gift i want to speak tonight about this fanning into flame what actually we've received now many of us here maybe i don't know if all of us or where we are Many of us here will have had some time when, yes, the Spirit came upon us. Maybe someone laid hands on us. Maybe it was a sovereign thing. The Spirit came upon us. But Paul wants us to learn how to fan into flame the gift of God that's in us, to stir up the gift. I felt when I was looking at this and praying my way through it, I felt God said to me, just just notice every little phrase here. Every little phrase. So let me just do that. Let me take it through with you. Little phrase by phrase. It says, first of all, the gift. You have a gift that was freely given to you. It's not the projection of your personality. It's something other than you. It's not natural to you. We need to understand this, that... uh, Again, I think we tend to think differently. We tend to think, oh, well, she's got that kind of personality. That's the kind of person she is. She's very outgoing. She's very this. She's very insightful. I'm not like that. Now, God wants to see us rather differently. He's talking to a timid guy here. And he's saying the answer to all these things, the answer to this is a big task, you feel ill-equipped. Now, listen, here's the answer. Fan into flame the gift of God. That's on you. It's a gift. It's not something that is natural to you. It's other than you. It's other than you. It's something from outside of you that came upon you. It's important to us to see that. I remember I went to the National Gallery in London. That's the great art gallery, uh, right there opposite Nelson's Column, there at Trafalgar Square. And it's a fabulous uh, gallery. And I went there once and they were, one of the things on display among the thousands and thousands of pieces of art there, there, there was one particular display where they were showing two different artists' painting of Samson and Delilah, where Delilah is cutting Samson's hair. And uh, one of them was by Rubens, I've forgotten who the other one was by, and uh, You just see them in different ways. They're kind of draped over her lap and she's got the scissors. And uh, you just, you know, there's notes around these two great pieces of art uh, uh, about how they view uh, the different treatment of Samson and Delilah by these two artists. But the thing that was common to both of them was the picture of Samson. In this, both of them were massively muscular. Both of them. Oh, you know, Ruben's like that. Muscles on his muscles. He's just... <laughs> and, uh, you know, he's having his hair cut. And, and when you think of Samson, you think of a muscular guy. I remember years ago, I saw, I saw a movie, Samson and Delilah. And in those days, Victor Mature, whom you're all much too young to remember. Uh, but in those days, he was the muscular actor. And... Uh, you know, he's one of these guys who finds it difficult to walk. You know, he's got so many muscles. And he plays Samson. Well, of course, you know, he's Samson. So he's got to be like that, hasn't he? Except, isn't the point of the story that he wasn't like that? Isn't the point of the story, uh, Samson, where do you get that power from? You, see, you don't ask Arnold Schwarzenegger, where would you get the power from? He would like, "You pump those irons, pump those irons." You know, the guy. You ask an ordinary guy, isn't that the whole point? Samson is an ordinary guy, and they can't work it out. Is it your hair? Is it what is it? How come you? How can you pull these gates off of? How do you get hold of these foxes? How do you, how, you get hold of a lion? Twirl, how do you? How do you do it? What's with you? The whole point is, you don't look like you could do that. Surely. And so we're talking about a power other than. Beloved, it's not you. It's other than us. It's the gift. It's a gift from outside of us. It's something other than us coming to us. It's an empowering. It's a gift. And again, it's important for us to remember that it is a gift. And so Samson's teaching us all kinds of things because we often hear people pray things like this. Oh, God, make us more holy that we might be more powerful. I don't think that's right. Now God wants us more holy. Obviously, God is constantly calling us into sanctification. He says, I'll prune you, I'll lead you, I'll develop you, I'll bring you to perfection. Yeah, God's working on us, but gifts are given free see, Samson, he's a mess. He doesn't show any signs of a developing relationship with God. You compare Samson with David. See, David had the power of God came on him. The power of God came on David. He he fought with a bear. He fought with a lion. He's a bit like Samson. But he also has a developing relationship with God. Samson's got no developing relationship with God. Utter shambles but he's in power. And I used to think, why is Samson in Hebrews 11? Why is he there? I'll tell you why he's there. Because he had faith. Because that's what Hebrews 11 is all about. Hebrews 11 is about faith, isn't it? We tend to think of it as it's a chapter of heroes. And so we think, well, heroes are godly people. But Hebrews 11 about, it's about faith people. And God is inordinately willing to bless people of faith. That's why we get amazed. How does God do that with that guy? I mean, God's blessing him. I mean, I wouldn't bless him. (laughs) God inordinately blesses faith. Because God loves faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. Samson's in Hebrews 11, and, and some people have said, "Well, we need to understand—he was obviously really a godly man, after all." That's what people like Pink and others say. Well, obviously he was a godly, but it, he's not. He's a terrible guy. But he has faith in this powerful anointing. Beloved, we get into—please don't miss what I'm saying. We are, we don't rise in faith because we think, "Well, I'm not really holy enough." And sometimes we pray, oh, God, make us a more holy people so your presence can rest on us. I mean, how did Simon Peter get full of power? He said, Simon Peter is full of power. He says, look on me. Isn't that hilarious, the story? In, 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 he's at the gate of the temple, and there's, there's the cripple. And he says, you know, have got any money? No, I haven't got any money, but look on me. Such as I have, I give you. Get up. And then then they say, wow. And then Simon says, why are you looking at me? Well, you just said look at me. (laughs) And he says this, why do you look at me as though through some holiness of ours? We've done this. See, how does Simon Peter qualify for this? Well, a few weeks ago, he's cursing and swearing and saying, I don't know Jesus. So you want power? That's how you do it. Curse and swear and so you don't know Jesus. No, see, what I'm saying is this, beloved. It's a gift. It's almost like God deals with us down two channels, if I can put it this way. Not a very clever way of putting it, but I want to put it this way. That gifts come through grace. Sanctification is an ongoing work with God. And these two things are not constantly interdependent. Now, if you're careless, God will ultimately catch up with Samson. Ultimately, he's dealt with. And sadly, that is written over church history. But ultimately, you think, how is God blessing that guy? Ultimately, God will not bless forever. But he he gives. It's a gift. I'm, I'm underlining this, dear friends, because I think many of us feel, well, I'm not worthy. Even, even praying for people for the baptism of the Spirit. You can, come, you can come down the row, you pray for this one, and they get filled. You come to this one, and they get filled. You come to the next one. And, and he says, oh, oh Jesus, I don't, I don't think I'm worthy. You say, "Well, let's receive. No, I don't. I don't, I don't, I don't. You think, oh, perhaps I'm not worthy. I, I used to try and encourage such people. Now I say, of course you're not worthy. What do you mean, worthy? Worthy of the Holy Spirit? <laughs> How long are you gonna take? You know, maybe I'm not ready yet. How long do you think it might be? <laughs> because we got this idea that if I can be holy enough, I can get a gift. But the whole point is a gift. It's a gift. And that's, I think we constantly disqualify ourselves. And again, please don't mishear me. I want us to be as sanctified as we can be. I want to walk to please God. I want us all to learn to walk to please God, to live, as as Paul talks about, with a clear conscience. I want that. But I understand gifts are not like that. Gifts are other than that. And we will tie ourselves up in in knots. Sometimes you say, if only we could get unity... Then we'll have revival. Well, God loves unity. But you show me that in church history. Often revival itself brings disunity. And, and, and God breaks out on a Wesley or Whitfield on, you know, strange people. The Welsh revival. And you think, why wow, is a strange. God comes. And it's not, ah, after all this time of they, no, 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 God did it. So I just want to learn about gifts. I remember once we were living in the States for a couple of years, and one of my sons, sadly, went through a really bad time. When he was in the UK, he was just as a young. He was filled with the Spirit before he was ten. He was a vibrant young Christian. He led boys to the Lord at school, uh, and when we moved over, I thought he'd be fine. He'd be fine, uh, and we came into a situation where it wasn't. The young people were not exactly excited about Jesus. And it was difficult. And uh, he, he, he had no comradeship of all the young people in the church we were going to. They were all, if I can put it this way, they were children of the church. They were turned off. They were bored. They hadn't made discoveries for themselves yet. And he couldn't find comradeship. And gradually, he began to lose his way. And uh, he, he really suffered and, and, and missed out and uh, that gradually hardened and he began to h- he hardened against us which was very hard indeed because he was probably our tenderest child temperamentally but he hardened and uh, he, he began to actually love really harsh music grunge music not just rock and roll you know but that really weird way out stuff and uh, uh, he had pictures on his wall and you had to have committed suicide to qualify uh, you know they were the real grunge guys and uh, and, and he thought this was wonderful. You know, so I thought, oh, God. And it was terrible. And he had this, this uh, CD player, and, and he turned it on, and the house shook. Like. And I got to his room and said, Simon, please turn the thing down. Oh, okay, turn it down. As I go away, you can hear it going up again. It's just unbelievable, awful. And uh, I, I mean, I just endured this terrible noise. And then one day it broke. Thank you, Jesus because he hasn't got two cents to rub together, you know, so hallelujah, it's broken, thank you, Jesus. And I'm thrilled and excited and at peace, you know, because a wrecking. And I'm at a prayer meeting. I'm, I remember it plainly. I was in Kansas City at a prayer meeting. We gathered these New Frontiers pastors, and we're praying together, just worshiping together, and God says to me, buy, Simon, a new CD player. I mean, I'm worshiping it like this, and I go, buy him a new CD. I said, I rebuke that. I bind that thought. <laughs> i bind that thought. And, uh, you know, I'm not it. And, and, and it comes again, and it, with such insistence, I mean, it was so much God, that I actually went to the store on the way home. I thought, wow, this is God. I've got to do this. And I went and bought it. I went up to Simon's room, and I said, son, uh, got you this. Oh, Dan, what's this? So he opened it up. Oh, Dad, hey, thanks so much. Well, you know, so he puts it on, Puts the CD in, turns the volume up. And I thought, I knew that would happen. I knew that would happen. And he didn't so oh, I come back to God. No, not a bit of it. It was another five years before he came back to God. It's like, it's a gift. He didn't deserve it. It's a gift. Didn't know what to do with it. Didn't know how to handle it properly. Didn't know what's the best music to play. <laughs> didn't know a reasonable volume. It's his. For him. Free. A gift. you understand, beloved. It's the gift. I thought God said this to me. As I'm looking at this passage, look at every phrase. There's a gift. See, so often we feel, I'm so sorry, Lord, I'm not worthy of. And the the Bible says that that Satan is the accuser of the brothers and sisters who accuses us day and night. Day and night. And and he's so cunning because he wants to make you not expect to receive the very help you need. Because you feel, I've somehow got to be worthy of this. And we just need to understand the grace of God has changed everything. That we are blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Amen? We're in Christ. We receive from him. I love that image. I know God has impressed it on me. That image of when Jacob came to his death or oh, big pardon, to his blind old father, Isaac and hid himself in the son that the father loved. The father loved Esau. Isaac loved Esau. He thought it was wonderful. He was his joy and, and one day Jacob who was a crook and a cheat and his father didn't particularly love him and he put on Esau's clothes and the skins on his arms and he approached his blind father hoping against hope that the father wouldn't guess hey what's going on here and I thought God said to me I was praying once don't fear that I'll find you hidden in the son that I love because I've placed you in the son that I love and it says that he got blessed with all the blessings he was ble- he got all the blessings that were promised to the son that the father loved for free they were his and there was no going back and beloved we we receive every spiritual blessing we read in Ephesians chapter 1 because we're in the son that the father loves amen it's all free it's free and if we don't get that clear if we don't understand that we will constantly go back to but I'm not worthy well I know you're not but God's happy to deal with it for Jesus sake and bless us with grace so fan into flame the gift the gift it's a gift it's not something we've earned it's not something we deserve it never will be it's a gift the gift of God Right, it's from God. It's something awesome and wonderful from God. And again, we can kind of play things down. Even, even, even the gift of tongues, we kind of, some of our cessationist friends would say things like, well, tongue speaking is the least of the gifts. And when I was at Bible college, that's the way they used to hit us. I said, ah, it's the least of the gifts. And one of the the, the, the vice principal preached once in the chapel. He said, he said, these charismatics, he said, they're like little children. And uh, they've found, uh, they get a, get a present, and they're more interested in the wrapping paper than they are the gift inside. They're just fascinated with trivia. And uh, so the gift of t- it's like God's giving away things like, you know, he gives away faith and love and hope. And whoops, I dropped tongues out of my pocket. And these silly charismatics are picking up. No, no, I dropped that. I didn't mean, hey. It's the gift of God. Every good and perfect gift. You know, sometimes we, we, we play down the supernatural nature of things that God's given us. And we use a little language. You know, I've got a little picture. God said, well, mate, you know, I'm seeing a vision. We're scared to use the word. And sometimes you're in a meeting. And I've been in a meeting. And you think, you're discussing things maybe with a group of elders and uh, talking together. And, 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 and you're discussing the subject, and you think, well, that's obvious, but everybody's thinking that. So you don't say it. And the, sub- the conversation goes on, and you think, well, why isn't anybody saying this obvious thing that we all know about? And then in the end, you think, well, I'll just say it. You say it, that's it. You think, well, of course it is, but we all know. It. God was giving you a word, and you hadn't realized it was a gift from God. God's giving you a word of wisdom. In the co- you know, they're gifts from God. And we don't, we don't understand them in those terms. I, I remember I was, I was mowing my lawn at home. once. I'm mowing the lawn, and I'm listening to a, a Bill Hybels tape in my ears. I'm listening to it, and I hear him say, I have a wonderful gift of leadership. And <laughs> I stopped. I thought, who does he think he is? It's a typical English response, you know. Who do he think he is? Then I thought, God said to me, a gift. He said, I've got a gift. Oh, yeah. It's like someone gave me this wonderful vehicle, you know, this wonderful car. It's not, it, you gave it to you. He said, I've got this gift. He's acknowledging I have a gift from God. It's from God. And we mustn't, we mustn't fail to recognize the awesome wonder of a gift from God supernatural, God-given, not to be despised, not to be cast aside, not to be talked down. And sometimes we think, oh, the gift, oh, yeah, they all say it's the least of the gifts. For instance, the gift of tongues. I, I met Jackie Pullinger. That name may mean nothing out here, but she's done a breathtaking work in Hong Kong amongst drug addicts. I mean, just breathtaking. Amazing woman, evangelist, mercy, ministry, beautiful gift. She said, I speak in tongues... Half an hour every day. See, some of us said, Well, I spoke in times when I received, well, you know, it's the least thing. No, she says, I like, I need that. To do, I need to do that. Don't let anybody undermine your confidence in the gifts of God. <laughs> it's from God. Even if it were the least, it's from God. It doesn't even say it is the least. Let's, let's say the gifts from God. And then just notice this last phrase. The gift of God that is in you. Right, where is it? It's in you. Now, I, I really feel this is very important. The gift of God that is in you. You'll find similar in 1 Timothy 4, which we didn't read. Don't neglect the spiritual gift within you, which was bestowed on you and so on. So it's possible, beloved, to have a gift in us which we... Are neglecting, although it's in us. Don't neglect Timothy. You scared guy. Don't neglect the gift of God that's in you. Where is it? It's in you. Now, I'll just um, just stay with that for a minute. Remember when when Jesus is talking to the woman at the well, and, and you know you get that complicated conversation give me something to drink you don't have a bucket and all that and then he said if you knew who was speaking to you if you knew the gift of god if you knew who was speaking you would ask him and he would give you living water and you would have in you a well of water springing up you would have in you the well and she says give it to me then i wouldn't have to keep coming to this well So she's kind of, she's understanding but not understanding. She thinks, I can get something that means I don't have to keep coming to this well. She's not offering her a drink. He's offering her the well. You'll have in you a well. (laughs) And she's like, give me that. I wouldn't have to keep coming here. I wonder how many believers understand. But Jesus says, if you knew the gift of God, you'd ask, he give you the well, the well in you. See, so many of us, we, we, we maybe come to a great Sunday. Thank you, Jesus. What a wonderful time, wonderful word from the pastor, wonderful worship. Wow, this is great. Now, you know, Monday morning, boom, ugh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. No, will I make it to next Sunday? Oh, God, got to get back to the well. No, you have the well with you, in you. Now, well, that's not to despise the value of our gathering in the presence of Jesus together, and encouraging one another, and all that comes from gathering the saints. But he says you've got the well on the inside. You have the well within you. You don't have to keep. You don't just get a drink. You get the well. Hallelujah. The well. You've got lovely Old Testament scripture that says, "Spring up, O well, sing to it." You've got the well with you. Timothy, you've got the well with you. It's in you. Then again, you find where Jesus says in Luke 4, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He anointed me. He doesn't say, I feel anointed today. He says, he anointed me. He doesn't describe a feeling. He's describing something that happened to him, an event that took place. He anointed me. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He anointed me. It's not a subjective feeling. It's a historic fact. It's not I feel anointed. He anointed me. So I want to just suggest to you that sometimes we use phrases that don't tie up with what the Scripture is saying. The Scripture is saying to us, fan into flame the gift that's in you. You have the well within. You've been anointed. The anointing remains, it says in John. So there's something that we have to be aware of. There's a gift of God that's been given to us. And so we come to this phrase, finally, fan into flame. See, what, what, what does that mean? Stir, rekindle, says in the old translation. Stir up this gift. That's our responsibility. That's our part. Something we have to learn. I feel I'm trying to learn about that all the time now. Something I'm trying to engage with, learn about more and more. To be aware of this. I love it. I'm, I'm in more and more in John 14, 15, 16. There's a lovely passage. Then you will know I'm in the Father. The Father's in me. I am in you. Then you'll know. Then you'll know. I've got to prepare a place for you. If I prepare a place for you, I'll come again to receive you to myself. I say, yes, Lord, every morning. Come and receive me to yourself. Otherwise, what do we think that verse means? I go to prepare a place for you. In my Father's house has many rooms. Is it when you die, Jesus says, okay, I'm going to get a room ready. I'm licking it, you know, fresh of paint, plunking up the cushions, getting this room ready for you. Does that mean anything to Simon Peter and these apostles? When I die, you're getting a room ready? I don't think it means that. He said, then you'll know. When the Spirit comes upon you, then you'll know. I'm in the Father. The Father's in me, and I'm in you. I've got to prepare a place for you. and I'll come again when the Spirit, and, and, and receive you to my, hey, receive you to myself. We, we live in the Spirit. The Spirit lives in us. We, we need to know more and more what it is to be in the realm of the Holy Spirit and to enjoy the wonder of this fresh relationship we have. If you dwell in me and I dwell in you, make it your dwelling place. Make me your dwelling place. I'll make you my dwelling place. It's not like, yeah, I was baptized in the Spirit in 19-whatever. Yeah, I spoke in tongues then. I've had that. That's ha- No, 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 come on. We've been invited into a life in the Spirit, a life where we engage with the presence of God. The Holy Spirit is in us, with us, upon us. And when the whole company, the elect, the whole church comes together consciously aware we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, it's not some will of the wisp. And we use that word anointed, or that was anointed meeting, that was anointed song. We use the word very liberally. Jesus said he anointed me. It happened to me. (laughs) It happened to me. The Spirit has come. Now, come on. Fan into flame the gift of God. That's in you. Well, what, what does that mean? Well, you know what puts out the flame? Good old bucket of water. Yeah, you get all sorts of opposition, setbacks, disappointments. You get the story of David, don't you? In the Old Testament, it says uh, he, he led his army away while he's away, the, the others came in. And, and took everything, took, took the children, took the wives, took the money, took everything. And it says they wanted to stone him. I mean, David's army, we always think of them being marvelous army. They wanted to stone him, great leader. And then it says this, David encouraged himself in the Lord. It's a fabulous verse, isn't it? It's only recently that I noticed he did that first, and then when he'd done that, when he encouraged himself in the Lord, then he said, should we? what should we do? I always felt that's how he got encouraged. But no, actually, he yeah, first of all, encouraged himself in the Lord. Then he asked, presumably, the use of the Urim and the Thummim, you know, do we do it or not, that priest thing. And they said, no, go, and everything will be recovered. Great. But first of all, he encouraged himself in the Lord. We need to know what it, how, when we get disappointment, delay, setback, things that hurt, or when buckets of cold water are thrown over you, setbacks, you need to know how to encourage yourself in the Lord. Be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody with all your heart to the Lord. See, that's what David did. Even that Old Testament man, although he's like a New Testament man living in the Old Testament, wasn't he? He knew what it was to be in the presence of God. We get the clues in the psalm. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Hope thou in God. See, he spoke to his soul. He didn't let his soul speak to him. Why are you cast down, soul? Hope thou in God, I shall yet praise him. The psalms, they're, they're full of this. They, they often start with a kind of moan and then they address themselves, they remind themselves, they, and come afresh to God. Sing, spring up, O well, sing to it. Beloved, we need to constantly, in our own life, know what it is, just to day by day, morning by morning, be filled with the Spirit, consciously singing in the Spirit, singing with the Spirit, singing in tongues, singing out truth. Be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody with all your heart to the Lord. We need to be doing this. We need to fan into flame the gift of God. Something we need to do. Some, an action we need to take. My kids used to say to me, Dad, you're so noisy in the morning. When I got saved, my, my sister led me to Christ. She said, you must have a quiet time. I thought, that's the quaintest phrase I've ever heard. What on earth is a quiet time? I didn't know what she was talking about. I have a noisy time. Now, I didn't know that in those days, but... It's important that we, we are engaging with the Spirit. Amen? Fan into flame the gift of God. Stir up what's in you. Sometimes disappointment. We, you have, did you understand? Hope deferred makes the heart sick. The Bible's an honest book. You hope this would happen, you hope the house would sell by now. You hoped that deal would go through. You hoped you would be married. You hoped you'd have a child. You'd hoped, you'd hoped, you hoped. And hope deferred makes the heart sick. Fact. Therefore, I need to get healed. I need to come back to him. I need to be refreshed in him. I need to be renewed in him. George Mueller said this This is my chief duty to make sure my soul is happy in God every day. That's my chief duty. He was a man who cared for hundreds of orphans and had to feed them. My, my chief duty is to make sure my soul is happy in God. It's a fabulous statement, isn't it? I always think when I get on a, an airplane and that they say, if there's an oxygen problem, put the mask on you, and then if you have a dependent child or somebody with you, look after them next. You think, how selfish. I'll look after my little child if you don't mind. You no, know, i put it on him first. I mean, it's my child. I care for him. They say, put it on you first. You know, no, no, I'll put it on Johnny first. Okay, done they come. No oxygen. Johnny, put it on. Don't want it. Put it on, Johnny. No, don't want it. Put, put it on, Johnny. <coughs> they know what they're talking about. Put it on you first. My chief duty is make sure my soul's happy in God. Mueller knew a thing or two. He's looking after hundreds of orphans. He needed a happy soul. Be filled with the Spirit. Fan into flame, the gift that's in you. Stir it up. I know when I first used to, uh, when I was a small child, we had a fire in our home, fireplace, and the first thing I'd hear in the mornings when I was waking was my father with a metal poker getting out the ashes and I always wanted to do that with him. Can I light the fire today? And, and he's, that's always my, f- my first sound. What's he doing? Uh, getting rid of the ashes. Well, so the fire can go today. What's, what, what are ashes? Ashes are what burned yesterday. That can clog up your fire. See, some people just live in the past. I was at a conference once. I mean, it's just reeked of nostalgia. It was really weird. It's always about do you remember when. And I respected the people. I thought, wow, their ministry. But wow, boy, were they clogged up. You've got to get the fire going. Fan into flame. Let's get rid of the ashes. Ashes are what burned yesterday. The good, they burned yesterday. I don't want to live in the past. I want to be alive to what God's doing today. Fan into flame the gift of God that's in us. Sometimes fear can challenge you. All sorts of things can douse the flames. We need to overcome them. Fan into flame the gift of God. I'd just like to close with a personal testimony too about particular. I know I want to... I was confused about praying for the sick. And... uh, my early experiences were very disappointing uh, and then I then I then I found I was personally healed from a terrible back trouble that I had uh, when I I went to the, the hospital and they, they took x-rays of my back couldn't find what was going on cerebral pain I went to an osteopath and he demonstrated to me the pain was there but the problem was I had one leg longer than the other and uh, he tried manipulating my back, and it didn't get any better. I stopped going. And then some time later, a preacher came to my church and said, people here with back pain, I came forward as o- others did. He said, some of you have got one leg longer than the other. I thought, ah, that's what the osteopath said. So he sat on the floor. He took my feet along with others, and you could see this difference. Prayed a short prayer. My leg grew. I and mean, we just immediately. And that was the end of my back pain. Just gone. That's it. They said to me, you do it. So I thought, what, well, that? Yeah, you do it. So I started praying with people. And sure enough, hey, this leg grows, and their back's healed. And I started doing that, and I was doing it quite often. And then I began to think, I don't know about this. Because it's the only thing I got faith for. You know, it's, it's not like the blind are seeing or the deaf are healing. It's just that hearing. It's just that, you know, legs are growing. And I, I began to feel awkward about it. And I, and I, th- I thought, hmm, I don't think I'd do this. And then and one of our guys said, oh, Terry's going to do his leg trick. I said, my leg trick? <laughs> so I thought, oh, I hated the whole thing. I, I, I turned off it. And some time went by. And then I got into a situation. I, I visited, a, 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 I spoke at a conference, and the guy says to me, well, you're Terry Virgo, and Yeah. He said, do you remember you prayed for me years ago? Uh, no, I'm sorry, I don't remember you. Oh, I've had no pain since. I want to thank you. I thought, well, yeah, it's great. I don't do that anymore. And, uh, and, then I, and then we had a neighbor whose uh, uh, wife said to Wendy, um, uh, my husband's just locked in back pain. And she said, oh, I'll get Terry to come pray for him. I thought, oh, thank you. Anyway, I went and prayed for him. He was immediately healed. And he said to me next time, I'm digging concrete out of my garden. And he said, it's wonderful, getting the garden all clear. I thought, wow. And I thought God spoke to me. said, you're not using a gift I gave you. So I thought, okay, Lord, I'll I'll just do that. And I felt felt rebuked by God that I was not using this gift, which I had begun to despise. See, some of you may feel, well, I prophesied once, and I don't know, the elder said to me, you went on a bit after, you know, you brought a real good word, but you went on a bit. And you think, oh, I don't like being told off. I'm not going to do that again. But actually, you brought a really good word, but... You just needed some help. You just needed to learn. that. Yeah, that was great. You could just stop then. That's okay. But Oh, no, I don't like being told. I, I, I don't do that again. I gave a tongue once. No one interpreted it. And I got, into, I got my foot in, and I don't want it to get in anymore. And that's what happens to us. We start, and, and the church is not obviously filled with the Spirit and the manifest the presence, because there's so many of us who back off. We feel unworthy, as we've been through that. And then we feel, well, I don't know. I'm not so good at it. I, don't I know for myself, when I started doing it, I started, I'm going to do it. So I started praying for people. And, then, and I'm praying for people. I know I told some of this last time I was with you, but I'll say it again. I'm praying with some people. And I'm just doing that. That's so all I'm doing, praying for legs to lengthen. And I'm seeing it happen loads and loads and loads of times. And I'm in a church, and a guy's sitting there, and he says, you pray for my knees. They're shot through. That's the phrase he used. They're shot through. And I thought, I don't. Mean, what do you mean, shot through? And he said some stuff. I thought, well, I don't do that. I do this, you know. <laughs> and uh, so I thought, oh well, I'm down here. I prayed for his knees, and he got up. And then the people who are looking this way and I'm looking that way, they all start laughing. And I thought, what are they laughing at? And I look round, and this guy's jumping off on and off of chairs, and he says, I can play basketball again. I think, oh wow. Then the next guy says, I've got a broken collarbone. I've got metal in here. and Three, three things are metal in here. Um, he said, somebody came behind me the other day, slapped me on the shoulder. I fell to the ground, the pain. I can't carry a bag over my shoulder. Would you pray for me? I thought, okay. You know? So I prayed for him. He's got his big smile. He says, Wow. Oh. Then the bouncy guy comes around and slaps him on the shoulder. And he says, hey. <laughs> so the next Sunday... We're in worship. They interrupt the first song. Can we testify? I thought, oh, wow. So I just keep going, keep going, keep pushing through. And I, for me, the way through was that, yeah, because I experienced healing, and I, I know that people will be healed if they've had that problem. I just know they'll be healed. So we've seen lots and lots. But, you know, I've seen more and more things happening. I was in Muscat, in Oman, uh, a few months back now, about two, three months ago. And the lady was the, actually the administrator of the whole conference. She said, I have a frozen shoulder. I can't move my arm until I prayed for her. And, and I mean, she said, I can't move it. It's frozen. And after I prayed, her arm's going around like a, wheel, like a windmill. She's co- completely healed. And, uh, and, she, and her daughter, who's 23, and I only learned later, I didn't know at the time. Later, she told me, she said, I'm an atheist. I come to this just my mother's here. I hate the whole thing. And she said, saw her mother healed. She said, would you pray for me? Because she's got terrible back pain. And a disc thing, And I prayed for her. She was completely healed. And her mother told me later, my atheistic daughter got saved this evening. She got healed and saved. I mean, we're just seeing, we're seeing more and more happen. More and more happen. Uh, as, as we're just looking to God, seeing him do what he will do. Just breaking through. So a guy I was up in Canada three weeks ago, and a guy prayed for him, and he touched his toes up on the platform. Hadn't done it for 30 years, and uh, just seeing people getting released because instead of feeling I'm not going to try that again, and not always having all the answers and all the embarrassments of not knowing. Well, sometimes, well, what about and if? And I and I I was like I was like one of these people who feel when I've got everything answered then I'll do it. If I know all the answers, I'll pray for the sick. And I found, no, 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 it's not not to be like that. I've got to go with it. And I'm of that generation that doesn't always feel comfortable with computers. I remember I was in a store once, and I'm there, and and I'm looking at these computers and screens and things when they were coming in early on, and I think, gosh, this is another world. And a small child who can barely see over the counter He's looking at the screen, and his hands come over and goes And I thought, you know, what is happening here? I'm going, you know, this little child can do it, and I haven't got a clue. And uh, and then at home, we've got the computer going, you know, gradually it comes into your home, and you don't know all the answers, so you answer your kid. So this is my youngest son. I said, Tim, how does this work? And uh, so he, my little son, he said, oh, you do it like this. Uh, no. No. Uh, uh, no, uh, no, and I'm waiting there, and then, there, there it goes, it goes like that, Dad. I said, well, I could have done that. He s- <laughs> and he said, you didn't. I thought, no, I didn't, because I don't do it until I know how it all works. He's learning to do it by doing it, and I'm finding that, that we're learning to do it by doing it learning seeing arthritis give in seeing things yield things that we thought well, we don't go there Seeing more and more breakthrough more and more things happening when we we're down in Guadalajara with our friends here we saw some wonderful healings just more things than we'd never seen before one lady she'd been at a fairground and her girder had fallen on her neck and she said I'm in pain 24 7 I am in constant pain and this was after the meeting was over we we're just walking in the corridor prayed for her and tears as well she said the pain's gone it's gone yeah god's here god's here dear friends and he's telling us fan into flame the gift of god that's for all of us beloved all sorts of aspects so god wants us to know see paul has laid hands on timothy he has received the holy spirit he's referred to it twice in the epistle what you receive through the laying on of hands. So he's already had a coming upon of the Spirit. Now he's told, fan into flame. Right, dear friends, I want to make that a word to all of us in all kinds of parts of our world. Let's not say, oh yeah, that happened to me back ten years ago. I don't know what that means now. No, you have the well on the inside. You've been anointed. The Spirit's within Let's learn to engage with him. Make space for him. Give time to him. Shut the door. Be with him. Be alone with him. Get to know him more. God's with you. Enjoy the fellowship of having God with you. The fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Get to know him. Give time to him. And then as God's begun to give you gifts, don't close down. If he gave you prophetic stuff, and you, oh, it all went wrong once, so I don't. No, no, come on. Come back to it. Take correction when necessary don't back off because of it learn grow in your gift grow in these many gifts that god has for us the spirit-filled church isn't something that floats in the sky It's people engaging with the holy spirit together under godly leadership for the glory of jesus